0: Check two.
1: Questions.
0: Questions. Questions. Wonder you if you can hear my, heard my tapping to the mic. I can only hope. Yeah. In church. In church. In church. Hey, welcome everybody. We've got uh, again with us uh, Pastor David Dave Godini. Andrew Metcalf, Fellowship of Faith Church. Hello. My name's Steve Wells. I'm your your, uh, the attractive one, the host today. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a a face for radio, so that's good. We've got uh, another, for the second week in a row, Reagan (laughs) Godini. And our famous producer, Kent Jones. Good afternoon. Here he is. Anyway, welcome to another week of questions you never thought you could ask in church. Uh, It is... Ask the tough questions about God, faith, the Bible, life. It's fun. It's deep.
2: It'll rock your world. It'll rock your world. Perfect. So,
0: how you been? Good.
2: I've been good. Yeah. I've been good. <clears throat> What's yeah. new in your life? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's,
1: that's that's super good interesting. stuff, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Andrew. Wait. Anything cool in your life going on since I, Dave has no life? I think let's just <laughs> let's go with the same strain of no. Wow.
2: <laughs> All right, I'll give you this, Steve. Yeah. So uh, today's actually a. Uh, um, we're not going live today. This is a broadcast it's recording. Yeah, yep. we're in recording still send in your questions. You can do them on Facebook when this goes live as so you're listening to it right now or uh, text them in to 815-314-0363 and we'll get to them next week. Still send them in uh, for today's recorded session. We're going to hit a lot of the uh, the backlog questions that we just haven't mm-hmm. been able to keep up mm-hmm. with. But as this not as I'm speaking today. But as this is going live, we are up at the uh, the cabin in uh, northern Wisconsin, Yeah. and I have just celebrated my 25 year anniversary. Believe that wow. nonsense, right? Uh, marriage of marriage, yes, <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> I was wondering <laughs> to that yeah, you know, I don't if it's there not could be true, a lot of anniversaries in this world, right. yeah. And I didn't want you to get get you in trouble with Tina. Oh sure, know? sure. I mean, she may have thought it was something else or whatever, but hey, congratulations! Yeah, no, thanks. That's that's thanks. actually really cool. I've been. Yeah. Married twenty years. Okay, so uh, okay. I'm I'm five years behind you. Yeah. Wow. What are you like? Sixty two. I'm sixty two.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'd guess
0: man. Uh, <laughs> uh, some days I feel that's, like I'm that's so two. cute,
1: you guys. I it remember is. I remember being married twenty years and twenty five. What
2: <laughs> yeah. What are you at? What are you, are you? What are you,
1: Kent? Twenty nine.
2: Twenty nine. All, right, All right, right, coming up on thirty. Wow.
1: wow. All right, and I, and I, I'm thirty years old. See. and that's that's
0: about it. <laughs> you got a long way to go. Yes. You got a lot of life to live. I, I don't really envy that. I'm I'm really good at the place where I'm at right now. Yeah. Like 40s really are good. good. It's like 30s are done. And Barbie and I were talking. Bar, but for those of you who don't know, Barbie's my wife. When we first met, her last name was Pardee. So there was the whole song, "Come on Barbie, let's go party." It yeah, was a yeah. big joke when we were right. together. And then, you know, of course there's What was your name, Ken? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. You know, no one's ever I never heard that, that one we're... before. Right. Right. <laughs> so anyway, but, uh, I don't even know where I was going with that. Where was I going with Barbie? That's well, because you're in your forties, yeah. man. You love you. Forties. So yeah, Barbie yeah. and I were talking about this. Thanks for the reminder. Get me back on track. But we were like, he's no. old.
1: He's in his old age. You yeah. Can't really he is. His
2: memories as long as his hair. Slipping.
0: Yeah. That's a, that's man, I'm getting crushed today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: gonna
0: go home. <laughs> I'm gonna take my microphone and go home. <laughs> But we were talking about like stages of life and where we're at right now. And maybe it, maybe it only gets better from here. But this is probably like our favorite stage right now. Yeah. Because you're past the 30s where, okay, so the 20s, like you just didn't care, right? You know, it was crazy. You didn't care what kind of trouble you got into. Or at least I didn't. You know, I was just
2: living. Yeah, speak for yourself, Steve. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> And but, so, but I hear you. Yeah. But but 30, you know,
0: you start to become a little bit wiser to life, mm-hmm. but you still mm-hmm. don't know the answers quite yet. You haven't lived or experienced it. You you're friends with maybe some of the people that are 40, 45, so you're kind of <sighs> gleaning off them a little bit, but now that I'm here at 45 years old, it's like, okay, I've got some wisdom, I've got some life experience. Mm-hmm you know, financially yeah. we're okay. Our kids are getting older. I'm a grandfather now at 45. So I don't recommend having kids at 18, but if you do, it's kind of fun because I'm a young grandparent. So I get it. Yeah. Like, it's cool to be able to wrestle around and play and get on the floor and
2: like yeah, be a absolutely. snake instead absolutely. of instead, not of, break instead him. of not break exactly <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <breaking laughs> so
0: anyway, it's just a fun stage of life. You know,
2: you know, Tina, uh, so my wife, Tina, and, uh, We were just talking about this. And I guess this is attributed to Oprah, this quote, but she says life is best in the 40s. Mm. And it's exactly what you're saying here. I mean, she had the same thing because you're at a point where you're just kind of secure enough in yourself that you don't care what other people think as much. But you're still young enough that you can do kind of whatever you want. Yeah. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah, As long as people don't take that as
0: you're just a jerk then.
2: Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because that's what I get. <laughs> Just a lot. don't be
0: mean, <laughs> right?
2: Yeah, don't be mean.
1: <laughs> it, I got. But the, you're
2: secure enough in yourself. You're not so obsessed with other people's opinions. You're totally not, or hopefully. Not. And, and you're right. But I, so, a good friend of mine, Molly, Kino. You know, yeah. Molly, uh,
0: which Joe's last name, Joe. Uh, okay, it doesn't even matter. But anyway, she sent me this text the other day, and she's like, "I totally mean this in the best possible way," which. If someone ever starts off... Yeah, the backhanded compliment, right, yeah. (laughs) No offense, but... It's like, hmm. But it's this picture, and it's it's Bruce Willis, because he's bald, I'm I'm assuming. But it says, people, they're saying, you look so unapproachable. And then I would say, and yet, here you are. (laughs) It's like, that's great, man. Thank you for that, because that's totally how it is. (laughs) And yet, here you are, so what do you want, you know? Anyway, uh, questions today. We got we got some good stuff here. Um, yeah, I'm looking last, forward to the mailbag. Last know? week we had some angels and demons and end of the world stuff. And, and we're going to kind of continue the end times this week. Okay. Um, just to kind of hop off or stay on somewhat of a track as far as last week goes. And so let me know when you're ready. Are you ready for, for this? Yeah, let's do okay. it. Question number one. Question number one. What
2: is the mark of the beast? <laughs> what is the mark of the beast? Yeah. It's a reference yeah. to um, a verse in Revelation. I believe it's Revelation 16. I'm a little fuzzy uh, with chapter and verse off the top of my head. But in the book of Revelation, it's talking about how under this time of persecution from these darker powers, particularly the beast and the dragon and, and you know the, the dragon raises up this beast, highly symbolic kind of stuff that those who follow the beast will receive his mark. And, you know, I could just read the passage to you right now, because um, let me pull it up and we'll give it to you um, word for word. And we're going to kind of type it in here. And um, Revelation 13 and Revelation 14 both have it. um, It fills out a little bit later with some others in 16 as well. It gets referenced multiple times, but let me just give you a couple of these. Here is um, Revelation 13, for example. It referring to the beast also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave to receive a mark on their right hands and on their foreheads. So they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. And then John follows up with this. And and this is kind of like, a, let me read it and I'll tell you what he's doing. (laughs) This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight Calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. The number is, and you tell me.
0: Well, I'm going to go with 666.
2: Yeah, most texts have 666, though a few variants have 616 Mm. in the uh, scriptural Mm. tradition. Interestingly, so let's talk about plot, and then let's talk about meaning, if we can go that way. We have these beasts coming up. And, of course, these beasts are... I'm going to kind of cut through a lot of stuff. Most people are like, oh my gosh, is like in 2341 some like big monstrous horde going to kind of come up out of the earth and start reigning and ruling? I don't think this is what Revelation is doing. Revelation is a highly symbolic book, not written to tell us in the 21st century what our future will be. It's written to people in the first century to tell them and explain to them what their situation is. Mm -hmm. It's subversive guerrilla warfare literature, meaning... We have Christians who are suffering under the oppression and the enticement of the Roman empire and trying to be faithful to Jesus and trying to figure out what that looks like when there is both persecution and enticement to go the way that all other Romans are going. And of course, the prosperity and joy and community that comes with it. And it's a big message written to them with the basic message, hang in there, hang in there in your faith. Don't don't forsake Christ, don't turn from the path, don't get enticed into these other ways. And the Roman empire will get personified or pictured in all different kinds of ways. And two of these ways are through this beast. Mm -hmm. And it shows two different angles. Again, we're talking about the book of Revelation. There is a deep diversity of interpretive tradition on how to do it. I'm telling you what I think the best reading is. Within it, it personifies the Roman Empire or the work of the Roman Empire, if you will. It doesn't have to be like legal standing from on high, but just the culture, the the, the way of life, the well, the legal side of it too, um, is a beast in the sea and a beast from the land, and the one beast terrorizes while the other beast entices, mm-hmm. wows, creates a sense of "Oh, I want that." Mm-hmm. Both are images. That these things that are terrifying you, it is like a big, scary beast coming to get you. But this thing that's enticing you, that looks even like a lamb, it will say in certain places, is also just a beast. All right? And you're called to be people. In Genesis, humans have been given authority over the beasts. But now you have the beast terrorizing people. So the whole created order is out of whack. The whole way that the Christians are experiencing life is out of whack from the way God intends it. And so we have to start there because we have this, 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 this image just, oh, spilling out into narrative form of what Christians are facing in the first century A.D., but certainly has, I think, life lessons to Christians in every century. Hmm. And when it talks about the Mark of the Beast— you know, people today have tried to attach it to any number of things. Every generation has a way of doing this from, you know, social security numbers uh, in the mid 20th century. I remember in the 80s growing up through the Cold War and, you know, Gorbachev, remember from the Soviet Union yep. had the birthmark and oh, yep. that's the mark of the beast, right? Since then I've heard it, you know, like microchip encoding or, or who knows what kind of future technology. I've even heard people with the, uh, the, the, the coronavirus vaccine mm-hmm. yep. going around. Um, and I think everyone's kind of beaten the wrong, you know, path on that one. Um, fundamentally in every day and age, there are going to be ways that people who do not follow God are identifiable. Yeah. And I think we can start there at a the lowest common denominator, but for the text purpose, because let's say, let, let's talk about what it meant to these people back then. I want to go two different directions because of course there isn't a answer key to this in the Greek and both Hebrew language. The symbols they use for letters are the same symbols they use for numbers. So alpha can be the letter A, as we would think about it, and also the number one. One. Likewise, Mm -hmm. Aleph in the Hebrew alphabet, the same thing. And and you can do numbers that way. And they've actually um, found history of this where people will do these like number codes where they'll write in numeric form. To kind of stand for the word mm-hmm. that they've created or vice versa. They actually found some graffiti. I forget which city it was in the ancient Roman Empire, I, um, but there's actually this graffiti written where this guy wrote, like on a wall, My heart is captured by the girl 213. And then you man. can kind of translate yeah, that into a few different names. Yeah. It's fascinating that the number 666 translates to Caesar Nero, who is, of course, the first quintessential. Um, Roman Empire uh, a Roman Emperor known for for persecution of Christians and so he becomes archetypal through the book of Revelation and early Christian tradition for that which seeks to oppress and certainly the head of the state even though Revelation is probably written later and what gives that credence is that the variant 616 is how you would spell Caesar Nero in an alternate form so it could just be kind of a code where John's going hey this calls for wisdom Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the bees, kind of like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, figure out what I'm doing here. I can't tell you it's Caesar Nero because my head's going to be in a noose, right? Or I'm going to be in the Colosseum, but I can write to you in code. And you as a Christian know the code. You understand the Christian worldview and can interpret these symbols, but I can't be indicted quite so easily as the author of this because I'm not giving a overtly treasonous Mm -hmm. comment. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. So that's one way people have done it. But now let me share another way. And I find this equally fascinating. Several years ago, my wife and I went to Turkey and everyone thinks of Israel as the Holy Land um, or or the land of the Bible, Mm -hmm. I should say. And it certainly is. But when you look at how much of the New Testament took place in modern day Turkey and early church tradition, I I mean, it's like it loses by a nose to Israel. And in Turkey, modern day Turkey, you can go and visit the ruins of many of these churches that the book of Revelation was written to. It was written to seven churches. Revelation 2 and 3, will spell it out. And the the chief one is Ephesus. And My wife and I had the chance to go see the ruins of Ephesus. I would highly recommend it. It is unlike anything you've ever seen. Go with a tour guide because they will unleash the power and the, the history of what you're just looking at. But you can walk through this gate. And I remember walking through this gate, and it was basically a ticket gate. Hmm. And just like to get into maybe a modern-day stadium, you have to pay a ticket, you have to show proof of purchase. Well, Ephesus was the largest city um, next to Rome in the ancient world, and it was was this true cosmopolitan center. It it was the shopping mall everyone wanted to go to. Schomburg. It's Schaumburg, it's Woodfield. Yeah. If you're here from the Chicagoland area for us, you know, Northwest Gurney. suburban people, I mean, you're going to like Gurney Mills here, you know, but, but on steroids, cause it was also a religious center. It was a, um, uh, a cultural center. Um, it, it's maybe more akin to going to like the loop mm. downtown mm. or something where you have theaters and, 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 political centers and culture and libraries and, and, and of course stores, it's Michigan Avenue with mm-hmm. all thrown in, um, to boot but you didn't get to go for free and whatever charge to get in. I'm not an expert enough on, but one of the things that's highly um, I'm suggested is that as a way of paying honor and homage to the Roman empire, you would have to burn a little incense to Caesar and it's a money-making thing too. It it has a twofold purpose. You would buy the Mm incense, the incense, which has a a financial, you you know, segment to it. And it's a way that, the city could support itself and we could pay appropriate financial tribute to Rome. But it's also a show of loyalty that I burn this to Caesar. It, it's a way of like, if I can put it this way, there pledge allegiance to the flag in the day, you burn a little incense to Caesar and you say, Caesar is Lord, you get a mark on your hand, just like we get a hand stamp today. And you can walk in some have speculated. Um, given the cultural context that it might be referencing that in mm-hmm. a very kind of deliberate sort of way. Um, and others have taken it more generally to refer to just how slaves may have been branded in the ancient world where they may have received mm-hmm. like a mark or a brand, like we brand cattle um, on the hand or on the forehead, mm-hmm. whichever way it goes. The point of it is not to fear that, Oh no, I, I, absentmindedly got a vaccine or, Oh no, I got a credit card. So now I have the chip of the beat. No, 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 no. It's nothing like that. It's talking about where your loyalties lie and how you allow yourself to be marked, so to speak, by those things that stand against Jesus, who is Lord. So when Paul writes in Romans 10 that anyone who confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in his heart that God raises him from the dead, it's actually a very um, subversive things to say because they would say Caesar is Lord. And we miss that aspect of yeah, it today. That's true. Yep. Yeah, yeah, And so I think there's a call on every Christian and every culture and every time and place to go, your loyalty to Christ has to be more than just what lives in your heart. It's marked by how you conduct yourself and there are certain sacrifices and persecutions you may even have to face or limitations that you'll have to face for your loyalty to Christ because you don't allow yourself to, shall we say, go to the marketplace mm-hmm. or be marked by a name. You Correct. get the idea. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's probably more than you ever wanted to know about the mark of the beast. <laughs> but, you know, I'll tell you, this is the stuff that just little phrase, pad answers don't, don't do justice to. Because if I just came out and went, well, it's Nero. It well, doesn't really do it for you.
0: Well, I can tell you uh, as a fourth grader, you know, I read through Revelation. Why? I don't know as a fourth
2: grader. Because it's the way that all elementary and middle school scare themselves. Yeah, right. It
0: totally was. And I I was so freaked out. And so when I read the wisdom and find somebody with insight and whatnot, I thought, who is that? Who do I know in my class in fourth grade (laughs) that really is like super smart? And my mind went to this kid named Scott. Yeah, and I, want, I don't even need to say his last yeah, name. Yeah, shout out to
2: Scott though. This guy
0: was brilliant, <laughs> and he would give the weather every day before class started because yeah, he wanted to be yeah. a meteorologist, right? So <laughs> yeah, he's like he's nine years old, and he's telling you know like what's gonna happen. Like wow, this guy is like a genius, you yeah. know. So I invite Scott over, and I'm like Scott, I, I have something for you to read. I really want you to try and figure this out. Yeah. So I remember like I had a Bible sitting on my on my toy box. Yeah, I still had a toy box when I was fourth grade. It had Dukes of Hazard stuff in there what whatnot, because that was yeah. cool then. Anyway, Dukes of Hazard is always cool, Steve. I, it's it's still, always cool no one tell you me, otherwise. Luke and Bo, you know, like cool guys.
2: And, and thank you for not saying coin lance. Yeah, yeah coin lance. <laughs>
0: that's not Dukes of Hazard. That's like <laughs>
2: That's an abomination. It's, you it's, want to know what the abomination is and, you know, in Revelation it's, it's it. says
0: coin lands
1: But Anyway, so
0: he starts reading through this and after that he got scared, of course, you know, and then yeah. he didn't want to be in my room anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I never found out like, well, you can't leave me here. I'm I'm scared too, you know. So I, the sad thing is I never found out what it actually meant and he never became a meteorologist oh but he's he's up in portland now all right scott here's the thing
2: if you're listening to this we want you to tune in we want to hear from you scott and we actually want to kind of have you as a guest on the show at some point too because i mean because that that needs to happen hard
0: (laughs) to hard to predict around here
2: it it is hard to predict around here. corroborate
0: steve's story too it it, it happened yeah it happened yeah no but great
2: question really appreciate the question thanks for asking on that and any question you have Eight one five three one four zero three six three. This isn't recording today, but we're going live again next week. Again, eight one five three one four zero three six three, or throw it up on Facebook. Yep. Um, you can post your question there as well, and we'll get it either way.
0: Yep. Yep. All right. Next question. Do you like that? Yeah. Good segue into the next question. Um,
2: <laughs> but you blew it with with commenting oh, yeah, on it, yeah, man. It's you know, because
0: I got it. Like, you got gun shy on that. No, it's because I want to give a little insight to our listenership to say, you know, we. we this is our, this is my second, well, this is our, my third show. Yeah. So as a host, I've never hosted a show before. You're rocking you know? it, Steve. So, You're rocking so it's like one of the things we're always looking for feedback, you know, like how can we improve? How can we do better? So, so Dave's daughter is here with us again today, Reagan. And, um, she said, maybe find a better way to transition in, into the, into the questions. And so I, it was recommended. How about, Okay next question <laughs> there it is that simple so Except thank for, you reagan
1: when you do that you're supposed to go into the question not tell the story of how you yes. came about the transition it's a <laughs> episode answer give him a break
0: well it's also recommended we go down rabbit holes so rabbit sure. trail so that's i'm combining both of the best all in right. both worlds all right all right anyway next question uh, when is the rapture going to happen
2: When is the rapture going to happen? Yeah, I really appreciate the question. Just so we can plan. Thanks for asking. Let's, so we can plan, you know, it's like, I (laughs) I want to go to the lake, you know, so. (laughs) Exactly. Do I, do I book the hotel? Do I make the flight non-refundable, you know? (laughs) So let's define what we're talking about first when we talk about rapture. Rapture is a term that comes out of a certain segment of evangelical Christianity, really gained popularity in the 19th century. You don't really hear much talk before that about it. Um, and it's part of a certain end time scenario that comes out of premillennialism. Let me kind of walk you through this because the worldview is necessary to make sense of the question. Revelation chapter 20 will talk about this millennium or thousand year reign of Christ here on earth. And the million dollar question is when does that thousand year reign take place? Or how are we to understand that thousand year reign? And there's three or four really prevailing positions called amillennialism, millennialism, dispensational premillennialism, and historic premillennialism. So we have two pre's, a post, and an A. Well, we all know what these, uh, millennial, we hear million in English, but it, it's really the word that means a thousand mm-hmm. um, in ancient languages. And, uh, and so the millennium or millennialism is referring to this thousand year reign of Christ, So, a premillennialist will say, okay, let me walk through all of them again, amillennial, postmillennial, dispensational premillennial, and historic premillennial. The rapture, I'm trying to kind of truncate here so we don't go down too deep of a rabbit hole, Mm -hmm. comes out of the dispensational premillennial view. Mm -hmm. And here's the worldview, that between now and Christ's, second or third coming, depending on how they do the math, to earth, we're basically going downhill, that things are getting worse, that we're going to hell in a handbasket, and that the state of the world and, and, and the human existence is on is, is a downward spiral. And shortly before Christ comes to establish so pre right, right. This Mm -hmm. millennial reign, he is going to take up or rapture to heaven believers on earth at the time. And, um, there's a popular novelization of this back from the early 2000s called the Left Behind series, mm-hmm. which can give you kind of like a picture of it. I don't recommend the movie by any means whatsoever. Is that Kirk um, Cameron? I think one was Kirk Cameron. I think they Nick did it again Cage? with Nicholas oh, Cage. Cage and yeah. I,
0: Oh, that one. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I mean, this was,
2: this was you know, <laughs> a bestseller. Yeah. You know, there's 12 novels in it. And, and it was just comic a, books. Obviously. And it took place in this area, too, in the Chicago suburbs huh. up here, um, or at least primarily, that's where the people were from. Hmm. But anyway, it's the idea that. Christ is just going to, let's say, snap his fingers or he's going to have a secret coming is the way it's more um, theologically put. That Christ is going to come in secret the second time and take all believers up bodily to be with him in heaven. And they're going to be there for seven years and avoid what's called a tribulation, which is the worst hell on earth that you've ever seen. So that is what the rapture is referring to. And it finds some basis also in First Thessalonians 4. But I'm just going to submit that I think, while well-intended, the theological model is not the best one. Um, I think it's wrong. Um, even though I think uh, many who believe it do so very sincerely and, and can argue it very succinctly. I, I think there are some flaws to that entire approach. So I don't think by the traditional use of the term that there really is a rapture. I don't think that believers will be taken up to avoid a seven year period of hell on earth at the end, but I don't want this to be misunderstood. I still do believe uh, very deeply in what it says in first Thessalonians four, and I'm going to read it to you. Mm -hmm. So starting in first Thessalonians four, Paul writes um, to this church in the city of Thessalonica Um, arguably the oldest of Paul's letters, or, or the earliest, if that's a better way of putting it. And he says this. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep, basically who have died, or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep or died in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, the voice of an archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. He says, encourage each other with these words. Here's the encouragement. It would seem that because the resurrection is the main hope of the Christian faith, which is tied to the second coming of Christ, which it would seem that the disciples thought was very imminent, you know early on after Christ's ascension into heaven, that they were living, waiting for Christ to come any single day. We talk that way, but we don't, right? They were, when is he going to come? But something started to happen. People who were Christians who gave their life to Christ, they started to die. And it started to freak them out because I thought we were raised in Christ. I thought we had new life in Christ. And we've come to spiritualize it very much 2,000 years later, overly spiritualize it, I think. Mm -hmm. But they started to have these theological and existential questions of, what does it mean for my dad who died? Is he not in Christ? Is he separate? And he's like, no, 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 no. Hear this. Right? Hear this. When Christ returns, we will meet him in the clouds in the air, along with those who are coming with him, the souls of those who have died in Christ who are coming with him. But make no mistake, Christ is coming to earth. And the point is we are going out to meet him. We'll be raised up to meet him in the air, kind of as a parade celebration goes out of the city to welcome the king who's coming in. And I think Palm Sunday Hmm. gives the greatest analogy or picture to how this worked in the ancient world, if the king or the emperor is coming to visit, you go out and you line the parade route, like people do when the president comes today, right? Or like the Pope comes to visit or something like that. They don't just stay where he's going to give the speech. They line the streets. They make it a parade route. You're welcoming in. You're waving flags. You're cheering. You're clapping. That's what they did for Jesus at Palm Sunday. And when the King Jesus comes back in all his glory, I would argue that 1 1 Thessalonians 4 is saying, we who are still alive at that point will be literally raised up into the air on the parade route of his coming in. But the rapture is not disappearing from life on earth because the king is still coming into the city and will follow him back to the new heavens, new earth that he restores here, which I think is the millennial reign. I'm an amillennialist. Mm -hmm. I have respect for um, especially historic premillennialism. There's a lot of biblical complexities here. I just think amillennialism works the data better. Um, so I see that millennial reign as being somewhat synonymous with the new heavens, new earth to come.
0: And like yeah. you mentioned before too, <clears throat> it, that left behind series, all that stuff, they say in secret that he returns. Mm.
2: I, I, which didn't, means I that Christ hear
0: that in the reading.
2: And in, in, in you, you see it more in the theology, which makes Christ's physical return, his third return. Mm. Um, different people will nuance it different ways, but it starts to get wonky Mm -hmm. at that point. Mm -hmm. And I said earlier, and I just want to correct myself that I kind of equate, um, the millennium reign, the millennial reign with uh, the new heavens, new earth. Um, I I misspoke on that. Some will actually argue that way. I I tend to actually see it more as being synonymous with the church age, Mm -hmm. which exists right now so that we are simultaneously in what revelation would call the millennium and the tribulation. Mm -hmm two very different images of what life is going to be like now yeah right christ is reigning and at the same time there's tribulation
0: yeah so there it's not the pre
2: or the post it's the during yeah yeah hence why it's called a because well it's 2021 we've been more than a literal thousand right you yeah. know right yep
0: interesting yeah great question thanks for asking yeah so we'll go on to the next um with that in mind What is the judgment seat of Christ?
2: Again, yeah, this is the end times episode, I guess. And, uh, um, you know, a lot of these references are coming directly from Revelation, though the theology is found elsewhere. God has appointed his son, Jesus, or if this is easier, the father has appointed his son, Jesus, as king and has given his authority to the son. And the fundamental authority of a king is to render judgment. It's to make judgment and hopefully the purpose of upholding and establishing justice, of which mercy is a part. Mm -hmm. And so central to Christian belief, and you can even find this in the creeds, is that Jesus will return to judge the living and the dead. The judgment seat of Christ is a metaphor And it's just referring to how in the ancient world, people would literally appear before a judge who would sit on a seat, and it was called a judgment seat, right? And that's where verdicts would be laid Mm -hmm. out. Well, every human being is going to be judged by Christ. He's the king, and he's been given authority over heaven and earth. And so all of us, when he returns, will have to stand before judgment before him and judgment before him. I see the rabbit hole ruins. It it it. is. I
0: mean, well, part of me says, well, no wonder it's going to be eternity because it's going to take an eternity. So I'm, I'm hoping that the God of all who is omnipresent can do this in like one shot, you know, like, yeah, right. Let's get, let's be done
2: with this. You know, otherwise can you imagine the lie? I mean, you think our court systems backed up,
0: right? Right. So there's that. Then also explain, how the churches maybe and maybe it's not, it's not all churches, Christians. Let's say, let's say Christians, not churches. How churches or Christians have
2: a misunderstanding of judgment. Here's the, the, the key issue that I see, and I think once you get this straight, it sets your mind right for everything to follow. Christians today are fixated on dying and going to heaven. Christians in the Bible were fixated on Christ returning and resurrection. And those are not mutually exclusive things, but they are different focal points. So why the yeah. switch? I think for a number of reasons. I, like, I, I think, I go ahead, as Andrew. You got,
1: as you get further and further away from the time of Jesus, him physically being on earth, exactly. you're less and less concerned about it, or you, you don't have this, uh, literal picture of what it was like when Jesus was on earth. So it's hard to go, Oh, that's what I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to. Sure. So you're focused on, uh, well, I guess when is my time ending?
2: Okay. I think each of us in this room expect to die before Jesus returns.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm right? hoping not.
2: I'm, I'm hoping I, not. I,
0: I don't actually like, okay. I think he's going to return in my lifetime. And I
2: hope you're right. And that's amazing. But I do think that you're in the minority on that of really? where people so? tend to operate from. I do. I do. People, I would too. Yeah. yeah.
0: Send those in. Do you think that Christ will return in your lifetime? Like, let us know. Yeah. Because I'd, I'd be super curious to know.
2: And, and and by that, though, we know that it's good to think that way. But is that our knee jerk way of living?
0: Yeah, I, mm. I, I don't I don't think either way that it changes the way I'm going to live,
2: mm-hmm. because
0: I mean, I'm just as guilty as anyone to say, of course, I my mind detracts and goes to a thousand different places. And my focus, my sole focus is not on Christ at all times. Yeah. So,
2: and to Andrew's point, I I think that's the majority of it is just like, you know, your mom says, you know, when you're a kid, I'll be there in a minute. And she's talking with her friends and then five, 10, 20, an hour, an hour and a half. I'll be there in a minute, another hour. You know, you just stop waiting. You just kind of do your own thing. Likewise, people today, we see loved ones die. Yeah. We see people die left and right. We it's 2000 years. So, I think our thinking has shifted in many ways, but it leads you to some wrong long-term conclusions because it it leads you to start thinking that that judgment day is death and that eternity is heaven as we think about it. When Jesus talked about resurrection from the dead and, you know, even the creeds talk about he will return to judge. Mm -hmm. And so you have to start there as the place of judgment and then work backwards.
0: But I think a lot of us too have the have the mindset that judgment day is going to be, he's judging me for all the wrongs that I've done.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for bringing that <laughs> up because judgment is such a bad word for us in our culture today, yeah. but judgment can be good. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about the judgments of Christ, it is literally just making decisions um, in favor and not in favor for and against. And, uh, I think C.S. Lewis put it this way, although I might be misquoting him, but I've heard it put this way that we as Christians often think of ourselves before Jesus as the judge, as defendants in a criminal trial, right? But when you read like the Psalms or the Old Testament prayers and laments, far more often they seem to appear as plaintiffs in a civil trial, Hmm. asking for God's judgment because they're suffering, Hmm. because they're being mistreated, because... Injustice is being put upon them and they want God to intervene.
1: It's kind of that Lord come quickly methodology.
2: And when we forget that side, I think we forget a very big part of what judgment is about,
0: which is why I love singing. Even so come.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Because great like, song.
0: Come now, please. Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah. that, that That's my kind of heart song. That uh-huh. that song. I know we talked about kids last yeah. week or something yeah. and I got to listen to it, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I don't but even so one. come is one that just, man, that stirs in me. Yeah. It's powerful. Yeah. Who's so, the artist on that?
0: Uh, that is Kristen Stanfill. Okay. And so another one, like, go go listen to it. Even So Come, Kristen Stanfill. Christian
1: with a K. Christian. Yes. Spelled with a K. Yeah. With a K. Yes.
2: I tell you, two <laughs> things I'm terrible at in this <laughs> world is I can never remember artists and I can never remember lyrics. Mm. For all the things I can memorize, lyrics just
0: which is so a opposite. The good thing you preach that, that that is so just opposite because you think about like nursery rhymes well that's why they put music behind them so that you can remember but you also did that last week with the muffin man
2: yeah yeah
1: <laughs> right right and i can remember lyrics but can't memorize anything else uh, i like, see like i'm i'm i guess typical in that way of yeah Music makes me be able to remember. Yeah,
2: time. and I think it's just an auditory thing for me. I don't think I distinguish very well okay. the spoken word from the music. And I think the music is what often captures me more than like the lyrics. And yeah. maybe I'll get the chorus, though half the time I get that wrong too. Hmm. And uh, well, it's
0: it's the whole hand. You heat. know,
2: to this day, maybe you can clear this up for me. I should just Google this. You know, yeah, bon, bon Jovi. Can't wait. For remember this. Slippery I, than When I, Wet? I've never heard of never both heard of them. Either. No, no, a good band.
0: <laughs> trying is it to, trying to put them out of my? Is throat.
2: it Shout to the Heart or is it Shot Through the Heart? shot to the heart shot to, shot the, to heart. the
0: heart i think i don't know or is it I'm through not... the heart i think it's two i don't know but i'll, could
2: I'll be google right. it I'll, I'll this google is what keeps it. me up at night as opposed to doing a, a five second google search
0: something to blame
1: shot no? through
2: yeah. shot through the heart yeah,
1: look at so that what's
0: the rest of it shot through and the you're heart to and blame. you're to blame because darling darling, give
1: lo- darling you give love a darling me. darling <laughs> darling i am
0: apostrophe oh yeah darling 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 So that's interesting. Someone needed to correct uh, them when they... darling. I've never heard that in that song.
2: Okay, welcome to my world. I thought it would be like, cuz. You know the song Chain of Fools? Yeah. So I read this. uh, This was something going around once upon a time, but like the worst misspoken lyrics of all time. And someone thought it was Jane's a fool.
0: Jane's a fool. Yeah, instead of Chain of
2: Fools, Jane's a fool. And he was singing about this girl named Jane, and that she's a fool.
1: What is the... (laughs) Gives it a new meaning. Yeah, keep talking because I'm
2: trying to remember. Send in your worst lyric botch of all time. You could post it on Facebook or text it at 815-314-0363 right. Or any question you got on God, Life, Theology of the Bible.
0: Blinded by the light. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know what the lyrics are to that, but I, I think you should look them up because <laughs> oh. I'm. I still don't know this. I know what I sing every time, but it's not correct. Is Blinded that what we say? by the light? And, go, uh,
2: and like the next line is that what you do? Wrapped up. Do you ever do that by uh, the way? Yes. Just like totally space yeah. on it. So so do you fake it and own it and make it up in those times or do you well, just kind of like mumble? No, here's here's my like, issue. Like like well I have a
0: couple things going against me in worship, right? Okay. One I'm dyslexic. Yeah. So I will take phrases and move them around <laughs> yeah, to right. to something that completely doesn't make sense or it goes okay. against God. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, like, oh my gosh, I just sinned and I just led the whole congregation in sin. You know, yeah. so then I have to. You know, thank God we don't have to do burnt offerings anymore because I'd be busy all day sacrificing yeah. bowls. And then, and then I, you know, I'm yeah. sacrificing them, and then I cut my my finger something and swear, yeah. and then dang it, I got to go get another sheep or you know whatever it is, and then I'm that's why we have so
1: much land in our, our church. Get- <laughs> get-
0: <laughs> There's just furs all over the place. <laughs> uh, Steve was here again, wasn't he? <laughs> doing his sacrifices, singing worship songs. Oh, geez. his dyslexia. Yeah, whatever right, right. But there's that, and then like whoever's you know running our pro presenter, if they're not on, and I'm looking up at the screen because oh, I, yeah, I want to yeah. get my my attention off my stand, right? And I'm looking up, I'm like,
2: in the half second delay, it's like you're
0: killing me here. And my thought is like, I'm gonna murder that yeah. kid, you know, whoever it is. Yeah, right, right. Don't do it. But I'm not gonna do it because you know we're all the Jesus. hands and feet of Christ, yeah. and we need
1: them just like yeah. Well, anyway, so, so blinded by the light. Yes. You want to know the next line? Yes revved up like a deuce okay. <laughs> what? Okay. that is like
2: the worst lyric i've ever heard in my life another
1: well, another runner in the night
2: do you remember was it a? um what you was that you don't even want to know what how what motor? i do
0: in that song because I, and i can't even say
2: revved that. up like a deuce
0: that's like, to be a, like deuce? a motorcycle another runner i can't in sing the that night? with a straight face i don't know what a deuce is like <laughs> like mean, like, I mean, like a deuce. Like i a
1: do <laughs> 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 i hope that's what they mean uh Sometimes it revs. <laughs> oh,
0: my gosh. Oh,
2: all kinds of, yeah, this song is this off This is the a rabbit
0: yeah. See, that's why I was like, well. Wait.
2: Who wrote Awesome God? Remember that? Was, was that the 90s? Was oh, that even on, the 80s? It, who's
0: the guy that's like, coming to our church?
2: It's not Stephen curse Chapman. It's uh, no, um, um, no, no, I, no, I just lost it. No, um Rich Mullins. Rich Mullins, thank you. Um, when he rolls up his sleeves, he ain't just putting on the Ritz. Oh. Our God is an awesome God. Now, here's the question. i never even
0: heard that line.
2: That's how it opens. That's the first verse.
0: Yeah, I've never sung that song. Okay, which
2: is which is worse, "Reve the Deuce" or "Putting on the Ritz"? There's some, there's some really kind of, I mean, and I think uh, Rich Mullins is a fantastic, just kind of poet, singer, songwriter. But uh, man, we all have ones we look back on and go, like, what, what what was I thinking? What
1: was that about? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or there's those verses in the hymnal that you just never sang.
2: It'd be like, like we're yeah. do verse one, yeah. two, yeah, it's like a moratorium. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And don't don't sing to, verse five. Then, we then you don't get want to the that.
1: one that's on the next page, and
0: you're like, "Oh no wonder it's on the back page. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> These lyrics are horrible." <laughs> it's like
2: this, this needed not, an this editor. Is morbid like, verses
1: six through twelve, you would never sing. Yeah,
2: like, or
0: just a name. It's like R-rated it, because it's so gross and. <laughs> But yet, it's in the hymnal.
2: Okay, I'd be curious too to hear like what what people's like favorite worst hymn is or favorite worst Christian song is of all time. Mm-hmm. Like just the absolutely like ridiculous or macabre or, or, or you know. M Dub M Dub has to be the worst for me,
0: and I know I'm going to get crushed by like all the 55 to 65 year old women because Michael W. Smith is like their favorite, you know. And it's like Did you oh. call him
1: M Dub, yeah.
0: It's the only way to make them cool.
1: Okay. I've never heard that before. <laughs> M dub. That was one of the first cassette tapes that I had was Michael oh, I'm Smith. I'm so sorry for you. <laughs> Andrew, your childhood, man. Stephen Kirch-Chapman and Michael Levy Smith. They see, raised they're they both raised in the me. same category. Yep.
2: Yep. Hey, these guys cut the ice for us, though. I Let's know. give respect or respect. This dude, well, come they... on.
1: Somehow we went from there to yeah. Le- Lecrae. I don't know how we ended up. Right. right. What's the pathway there? But, yeah. All right.
2: Now, see, I was more of a striper guy.
1: Okay,
0: so striper i haven't heard i mean i've i've heard them i'm sure but i went to we had to, it was called love fest which is totally creepy
1: <laughs> it, like, it is a little creepy especially yeah, if you're yeah.
0: inviting friends yeah. you know that are unchurched and you're like hey you want to go to love fest it's not like
1: what's <laughs> it was that's different. the way that Running it was Man, though yeah. it was like yeah. out
0: in the middle of this field yep, you know right right and, and, and food trucks was and this is in nebraska this, or where Nebraska, yeah, a yeah, yeah. little, little town called milford and uh so I'm kind of new to, you know, this whole environment, not really knowing. So I go and I check it they're in this like dumpy little area. There's this band that's set up and they've got long hair and they're just super loud. Yeah. It's Petra. Oh, fantastic. And I'm like, wow, this really sucks.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know, I, I, and people are like, you're going to love it. I mean, they, if you like rock, you know, I'm like, yeah, I like rock, but this is not rock. This is.
2: So the thing that gave me the most respect of all time for Striper, because you know when I was like middle school, I listened to them, and and, you know, and truth be told, uh, all sincerity, bands like them and what they had to endure and even fight within the Christian community. I mean, they 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 really did pave the way for the Christian contemporary movement and Christian worship and things like that on a rock base. But I saw them at a similar thing. It was called Cornerstone Festival, Mm, and it doesn't exist (laughs) anymore. It was in Bushnell, Illinois, which is out by Western Illinois University in Macomb same thing you just show up in a field it was like this hippie thing it was just you know you set up tens people would you know bike in walk in sleep in a tree you know stuff like that yeah. and they would bring these headliner bands back it was mostly underground bands and ones you never heard of but yep. they would main stage it right and striper came back and of course this was like I don't know, two thousand two, they wear leather or something. Well, and they came in, they didn't wear their yellow and black spandex. Oh, spandex. They aged well. No, no, in in (laughs) their look, they they still had their their look, but you know, they still kind of put on the black leather pants and stuff like that. But they came out and they had fun with themselves. They're like, you know, we know you want us to sing some of the favorites. I haven't sang the song in twenty five years, and he literally pulled out the CD and was reading the lyrics off the CD, singing (laughs) because he didn't, (laughs) but but just owning it, you know, going and and I I loved him. Yeah, so the next time them.
0: you give any grief to one of our singers i'm gonna be like hey but wait a minute
2: <laughs> 25 years later uh, if they wear leather pants and come back to sing the song <laughs> and they all, the way, had all the
0: way ten songs to
1: learn come on okay. dare uh, i dare i just ruin people's uh ideas of how concerts work yeah do so it. i would say probably uh 50 to 80 percent that's a wide range i know those but. of you
2: don't know by the way andrew is a uh, our technical director over at fellowship of faith and, and uh, his career in this has always been an AVL doing, I mean, big shows and and big productions of of every stripe and variety. So, I mean, he's, well, I I think even rumor has that you were with like Cardi B or something like that.
1: I was for, uh, it was a very short tour. One of what her,
2: her kind of first
1: headlining tour. So All right. I was doing doing video on that. Is it's that awesome. where you get your theology from? A lot of it, yeah. yeah. No, a lot of it, that's where I try. So I don't want to cut you off on that, Andrew, <laughs> but I
2: thought some context on this might help. I pull know? a lot of
1: my influence. <laughs> for,
2: yeah. oh, I, I can tell life. the
1: way you dress. Yeah, exactly. This <laughs> flat bill hat, what is he thinking? Uh. Um, but a lot of shows and tours and concerts <laughs> like that use teleprompters for the lyrics, for the sure. artists. Yeah. Which I was like, when I found that out, because I was running a teleprompter, and I was like, well, this kind of ruins it. Like, yeah. did you really write this song? Yeah. But when you look at, you know, someone's got a hundred songs that they pick yeah. from to sing. Yeah. Or when they're actually just singing along with a doubled
0: vocal track that they've already laid oh, down. all of them.
1: Yeah. All of them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah there's that. And then, uh, <laughs> the Super Bowl
1: is always pre-recorded and yeah. lip synced. It's never live. Sorry,
0: everybody. Like this is, we're mm-hmm. all about truth here. So, <laughs> Pulling back the veil.
1: (laughs) We're answering the questions you aren't asking. Yeah.
0: (laughs) You never thought you
1: needed to know the answers to. (laughs) I'll change the name of that. (laughs) That'll be next. That'll be an episode. That's a separate podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the questions we think you should ask. Right. Here's the questions we all want to know.
0: Anyway. Okay. Well, let's move on to our next question. All right. Get back on track here. Um, we've been through that one. Cause you answered that one is the millennium literal or figurative.
2: Some will say it's literal. You're post-millennialist, which is really kind of fallen out of favor. And certainly you're uh pre-millennialists, but your are will say figurative. I uh, find myself in that camp. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, let's, let's kind of move on to some worldview.
2: Yeah. Great. Mm, is that great. Okay?
0: Yeah. What is the Christian worldview? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> can you just sum it up? I can,
2: I can <laughs> real quickly. I can't. Here's the Christian worldview in about 60 seconds. God is the father almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. And his son, Jesus Christ is his only son and our Lord. And he was conceived by the Holy spirit, born of the Virgin Mary suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified, died and was buried. He descended into hell. Three days later, he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of God, from which he will come again to judge the living and the dead. That there is a Holy Spirit, a holy, I'll use the word, Catholic, apostolic, Christian, whatever you want to use, church, a communion of saints, a forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. And I say this intentionally not to be trite. It's because those of us who have come out of liturgical backgrounds, we tend to look at these as just uh, I just got to go through this boring piece of worship. Or maybe it is even meaningful yeah. for you, but, it, but it's yeah. a little bit rote. And we forget what this is absolutely trying to do is give you a Christian worldview that when you're sitting there going, "What do I believe?" And, and "And what are the cardinal truths of the faith?" and "And how do I explain it to someone else?" that you have something that you burn burned into your mind that you you can draw on. And of course, I can elaborate on that longer through the apostle uh, through the Nicene Creed and and the Athanasian Creed. And those of you who don't know what I'm talking about or what I just recited, it's a classic Christian creed called the Apostles' Creed. Not because it's written by the apostles, but because it's based on their teaching. And I think those of us in the the, the contemporary worship movement, uh, the modern worship movements, and and those of us who come from more non-denominational and and, uh, um, non-denominationally rooted evangelical backgrounds, um, I I think when we don't tap those enough, Mm -hmm. we're actually missing something important, not that we have to do it, but that there's wisdom in having it as a part of our repertoire because repetition births learning and understanding and, And it it, it creates a deep well of something that you can draw on in moments when you're, oh, geez, what is the Christian worldview? Right? Mm -hmm. Now, is it bigger than that? You bet it is. Is it deeper than that? Absolutely. And and to summarize any worldview (laughs) in 60 seconds or less um, certainly runs the risk of uh, cutting out the richness and, and, the wonder of, of all that it really is. And that's where you run to the biblical tradition, the, um, 2000 years of Christian history of people who have written and studied and worked and prayed and fought and suffered and wrestled with God. It, it gets much bigger, but l- let's not forget where we're starting from. And it's that place.
0: You know, not when you just, you just said it and and it's cool because, I think sometimes in church, in worship, you know, we just, we go through the motions,
2: right? Yeah. Yeah. And
0: so just now when you're reading that, my mind went to suffered under Pontius Pilate. Why is that even in
2: there? Because it's historically rooting the Christian faith. This is not just a philosophy. You take the Eastern religions and their philosophies, Hinduism, Buddhism. And even though, you know, we can talk about the Buddha as a historical person, he's fundamentally talking about a philosophy of life. Christianity has a philosophy of life, but it's more than a philosophy of life. It's a history. It's saying this is a record of how God is actually working in this world, not just good ideas and platitudes of love your neighbor as yourself or whatever it might be, as good as important as those are, but this happened, and it happened to a datable event that you can cross-reference in history, and we see God as a God who interacts in history, doesn't stand outside of it. Mm -hmm. So every phrase is actually... Purposefully chosen for a specific issue or question that yeah. was debated or argued about, or people were asking, or or that the they were trying to kind of stave off mm-hmm. from being a uh, mm-hmm. yeah. You said
0: good and important. You know, love your neighbor. Yeah, you know, I think we were discussing that the other day about how difficult that is. Like, well, that it seems conceptually seems very easy. You know, as far as when we're talking about worldview and like mm-hmm. how that relates to us and how, what our application should be from that. And it's like, how are you doing with love your neighbor? You know, like, how you doing with it?
2: Good. I doubt if all it. of us <laughs> asked ourselves that question every day, the world would it's be a better so place. I mean, yeah. It is
0: really hard. Yeah. And, and that's why <clears throat> it's like, no wonder he put it at the top or one of, you know, close to the top anyway.
2: Though so interestingly, yeah. I would also argue that love your neighbor as yourself is not a uniquely Christian worldview. Mm. Uh, you'll, you'll find that love um, yourself: Well, not you'll not only love yourself, but you'll see in the Eastern religions, you'll see in Judaism, you'll you, you know Halel and, and people like that, the rabbis uh, uh, before Jesus, um, you'll see very similar things um, listed uh, th- th- because it's tapping in to the morality that's a part of the fiber of our universe and the fiber of the human condition. Mm-hmm. I, I mean God has written good and, and evil in each of our hearts, whether we want to rationalize or deny it. And so it should be as no surprise that people who have never read a Bible or have never heard the name Jesus would still know by virtue of what God has written into the tapestry of this universe and on their heart, the basic moral fiber of loving others and doing unto others as you would do unto yourself or not doing unto others as you would have them not do unto you or other manifestations of how this is put in yeah. Yeah. belief systems, ancient and future. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. Next question. All right. Is there such a thing as absolute truth?
2: Yeah but it's not absolutely known meaning what meaning there are facts realities of this world there are things that are not left up to subjective interpretation that uh, from god's point of view that are debatable there are things he has built and done and commanded and, and set in place and motion in this universe in which we live which are reality Religion should never be about what makes me feel good or what I like or just philosophical speculation. It is always a pursuit of truth. And truth should always be about reality. What is actually real? In other words, why are we doing this? We don't need another fairy tale in our world. But no one this side of eternity has a complete corner on absolute truth. I mentioned this in the last episode that Paul will talk about in 1 Corinthians 13, how we you know, all kind of now see through a glass dimly because of our human corruption, because of our lack of um, understanding of the transcendence of God and and a thousand other factors I can mention. None of us clearly sees absolute truth with, with 100% clarity, but that shouldn't lead us to a conclusion that it doesn't exist or that all things that are claimed now are of equal validation. Mm-hmm.
0: So what do you say right now? Like one of the buzz phrases, well, that's your truth. You know, and it's like, well,
2: and I know what people mean by that. They're saying it's your opinion. It's your opinion. It's your opinion, and of course, your it's my opinion. I wouldn't be saying it if it wasn't my opinion, right? right? But is my opinion based in something that's more than just my own speculation? Mm-hmm. And 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 something I fear for our world today is that, in strange ways, people are afraid to engage on matters of what's right and wrong, and true and false, and reality and not reality. We don't get to make up our reality. Right. Look, I mean. You get hit by a truck, it's going to kill you whether you believe it or not. Mm -hmm. You know, I know someone can kind of text in and go, well, what if you get lucky? No, I I know. Go with the flow of what I'm saying here. (laughs) There are realities to the world and who we are that whether we like them or not are true. Mm -hmm. And I think those realities go far deeper into territory that a lot of people don't want to go. Can you imagine if your engineers operated with relative truth? Well, I believe this bridge will work. Well, I hope you believe it'll work. (laughs) Otherwise, why are you writing off on it? But it's based in reality but do they know that it will absolutely work all the time and no they don't right
1: yep you're right yeah i think it's very dangerous when you start defining things about yourself as you know this is true for me or this is my truth that is uh, attaching a certain characteristic of yourself to your your almost value and opinion of yourself like so you can't attack that because that's my truth
2: right And it's like okay but
1: is is that uh empirically true or is it something that you hope is true or that you just like to think is true like
2: and this is one of my struggles today andrew with the 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 strict delineations that people often make between science and religion Mm -hmm. or even science and philosophy Mm -hmm. all are avenues of pursuing truth And, and and kind of a favorite niche study of mine is um late middle ages and the Renaissance period and particularly like the development of, of the scientific worldview in that time over and against things like magic and superstition and religion and, you know, philosophy and how that developed historically. And, and it's fascinating that the scientific worldview that we have today finds its roots in the Christian tradition and in its roots, theology was often seen as queen of the sciences or queen of the philosophies. And, and, and what we call science today was just an extension of that. that there was a God who created this world and he created it with a sense of order and discoverability. And because of its predictability, we can learn things about it and aren't left to just kind of random guessing of the capriciousness of what the gods mm-hmm. might be up to or other forces at work.
1: Yeah,
2: And, and, and I think we do a disservice today when we,
0: well, we hear uh, make of, them. <clears throat> follow the science, right? Follow the science. Well, maybe follow the truth.
2: Follow the truth. Yeah.
0: Um. Okay. One minute. One minute. So with that, then, because you you mentioned
1: uh, Ren
0: uh, Ren Fair, did you go?
1: <laughs>
2: Absolutely. I,
1: that's Absolutely. I thought, when he said Renaissance. I was like, it's like the Renaissance fair. Oh, you know, no, 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 the it, era. And you okay. know what I picture? And
2: Steve, I mean, one of these days you're just gonna wake up <laughs> on all things good. We're gonna have this conversation I, every week I on just, so many things. I huh? picture
0: it, him with like a little cloak on, and then like riding this wooden horse going. You know, like, man, I love this place, you know, with a best in your hand and <laughs> <laughs> whatever
1: words you declare. So,
2: so we'll talk about this next week, but but Bettina and I have thought about this intently uh, and we, we we have all the costumes picked out for your family, for wait. you, for Barbie, for Maya. But I know that we're wrapping up here. We're out of time. Guys, I want to thank you for listening today. Yeah. This is questions you thought you can never ask in church. My name is David Gadini pastor of Fellowship of Faith here in McHenry, Illinois with a Steve Wells, Andrew Metcalf. We've got Kent Jones producing. Hey, look, we're going to be live next week, every Wednesday, 1230 p.m. You can catch us on 21.6 The Net. You can catch us on a recording on the podcast, questions you never thought you can ask in church.
0: Fellowshipoffaith.org.
2: Um, fellowshipoffaith.org. You can find us there, the Facebook page. Hey, ask us questions you're asking. Any question goes, we're going to do the best job we can to ask to answer those questions that you might feel uncomfortable asking in your church or in a church setting. Um Text them into eight one five three one four zero three six three, or throw them up on Facebook. I keep saying throw them up on Facebook. Yeah. That is the wrong connotation. Post them up on Facebook, and uh, we'll, we'll love to get them. We're out of time. God bless, and uh, we'll see you next have week. Have a great week. You
0: gotta,
1: gotta whiz it completely. It's just about-